Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Exurgat Deus dissipentur inimici eius et fugiancio derunteu ma facia eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let all those who hate him flee from before his face. I want to talk about something that's more personal. Not because it's personal, but because I think I'm not the only one. In fact, I'm almost certain I'm not the only one. Just based on what I see. And in particular the things that I've seen over the course of the last couple of weeks. And I'm hoping that this podcast episode will be a Christmas gift to someone who's been trying to fight the good fight, but finds themselves continually losing. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangeli, defendenos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias, diaboli est opraecidium. Imperetili Deus, supplicas de precamor. Tuque princeps militae calestis, satana maliosque spiritus malignos que ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum letrude. Amen. Cor Jesus Sacratissimum, miserere nobis. Mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Sancta Iosif, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facium tuum et salvi erimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. So what do I mean when I say fight the good fight in losing? I'm actually talking about the fight against sin, in particular mortal sin. I recently discovered the what felt and by felt I don't mean like emotional feeling like sensing you know that sort of uh, 
that sort of intuition. But I felt that I finally reached the boundary line of where the end, or I should say the edge of the enemy's front lines were. <laughs> to put it in military terms, we'd finally cleared the castle of the invaders. And, by, and the castle, I mean, in this particular case, is the soul. There are a number of things that I was completely and totally unaware of. When we're talking as far as extent, length, breadth, depth, etc. You know, like the, the actual definitive boundary lines where things are supposed to be as compared to where they are. And I'm talking not in terms of, because of course, as, as you know, Catholic soldiers, if you're baptized and confirmed and in communion with Rome, then you're familiar with the fact that we have three enemies. The world, our own flesh, and the devil. In the world, there's not a whole lot that we can do about that except to continue to pray, fast, give alms, do the, do the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. The flesh is supposed to be controllable. We should have dominion over our own flesh, each, of, each and every one of us. And the flesh doesn't just include, obviously, you know, sexual desires or um, physical appetites. It also actually includes our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions. Like, we should have the capacity to bring those into subjugation. And so the question that you have to ask yourself when you cannot is why? And it is important that you do find out why. There's an impulse, a thought, a set of emotions, a, a set of reactions that you can't seem to get under control. And, you know, in particular, actually, in this day and age, given the, given, um, the widespread and ease of access to, to absolutely horrifying things, such as pornography, and I'm going to go ahead and use pornography as the exemplar here it's difficult to fully comprehend the ridiculous number of avenues in which your your physical impulses and your emotions can be manipulated to the point where you just don't have the fight in you and so there's there's a rule there there is a rule that you do have to kind of employ but you have to know about it first those impulses should only burn hot enough that you can contain them that you can actually bridle them that you can actually rein them in and get them under control 
And there are a lot of things in, in my life that I never actually realized. Or I should say there were a lot of open doors in my life that I didn't actually realize that I was open to being targeted for, by because I wasn't even aware that they were a thing. We like to look at, uh, in particular, the seven deadly sins as if they were somehow separate from one another. In a manner, as far as categorizing them and, and defining them and kind of putting the left and right limits as to what a particular action is, yes, they are separable. In experience and in practice, that's not quite so clear. We're all aware, or we should be aware by this point, that pride is, in fact, the core sin. But what does that mean? Seriously, what does it mean? It means that the fears, the trepidation that, ha that has to do with pride that sort of protect the sin of pride. And I hope I'm being clear enough on this. And if I'm not, please shoot me an email, um, Caleb at RadioFreeCatholic.com, or you can you can actually, um, <clears throat> if you don't want to use your email directly, you can go to RadioFreeCatholic.com and click on the contact us, and and fill out, and go ahead and fill out the form, and I'll get the email. Um, I'll get the email and I will respond and I'll try and clarify it. If I don't respond, if I don't clarify it in the email, I'll try and clarify it in the next the next podcast that I record or I'll record something specifically to try and clarify it. Um, because as you well know by now, I'm not a theologian, I'm a mechanic. And so I'm trying to put this in as colloquial of terms as possible. And so I might get things tremendously theologically wrong. <clears throat> um, and... So if I say something that sounds heretical, please do ask for a clarification because obviously I'm not trying to, you know, we're not trying to be, <clears throat> Radio Free Catholic is not a thing of heresy. The whole idea is to try and open up the battlefield so that people see the battlefield for what it is, the way a Catholic should see the battlefield. And I mean, actually with this episode, I'm talking about things that were my blind spot up until a few weeks ago. The So, getting back to pride and fear, um, the litany of humility is tremendously an important tool. Because what you're praying for there is you're praying to be freed from the fear of being humiliated, from the fear of being calumniated, of the fear of being, uh, you know, suspected of some sort of sin or crime. You know, you're trying to shake off those fears because it's those fears that when they happen, trigger the emotion. Um, it's also important that in this day and age, we understand that binding prayers are ridiculously important. They are hugely important. There are more demons than humans. 
as of right now, until we get to the point, well, no, actually, no matter what, there are more demons than humans, and there are more demons than humans have ever been. We are dreadfully outnumbered, and that's why it's so easy for them, because they've been here since the beginning. They were around from the Garden of Eden all the way until today. So they have the knowledge, they have the experience, and if they've spent any kind of time watching, they have the capacity to know absolutely how easy it is to manipulate, how easy it is to push those buttons. And if you're trying to live a good, holy life, then you're, like, if you're actually trying to live a good and holy life, then your life should be daily combat against the demonic. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that the devil is there waiting under every rock or whatever. But you have to know enough about yourself and enough about the stakes and enough about the playing field to really sort of put the tools to use where they're best used at. So, for example... I am a sanguine and phlegmatic type of person using using the the traditional four humors um, as the as the descriptor and the four humors of course being sanguine, choleric, phlegmatic and melancholic. I am a sanguine like 70-80% and phlegmatic the remainder. I'm not a choleric personality. So if my irascibility holds on, like if I if I'm aggravated about something and it holds on longer than a couple hours or a few minutes anywhere from a few minutes to a few hours, if I'm not able to shake that, I have to understand that is not part of my personality type and I have to confront whatever it is that is causing that. Because I'm not a choleric personality, I should not be angry for huge amounts of time. I don't have, it's not in my character to hold grudges. So if I'm thinking about something and I'm honed in on that one thing where somebody has insulted me or, um, or actually, you know, transgressed in a more significant way, just beyond, beyond insults or whatever. And I'm holding on to that for hours and hours and hours and hours and days and days and days and days and weeks. and it's causing me to feel anger and rage, then I have to see, I have to approach that and understand why. Because that's not part of my personality that has to be coming from outside. Now, it's not to say that the wound from being insulted or, or transgressed against isn't still there, but I'm not of the personality type to hold grudges. So if I'm holding a grudge, there's something else there. 
in general. I should be kind of flighty, um, hopeful, optimistic, sanguine. That's literally what sanguine means, is hopeful. I mean, it also means bloody, but hopeful and optimistic is at the core of my personality. Now, I did say that I'm also phlegmatic, which means that I'm pensive. That I spend a lot of time thinking about things. But I'm not melancholic or choleric, so so when I'm thinking about something, I shouldn't be brooding. So if I'm brooding, I need to know why. I need to take time out to actually figure out why. What is it that's causing me to brood? Is it something... Is, it, is there something that I need to solve about whatever it is I'm thinking about? What is it that's causing the disturbance? That's causing my psyche to be disturbed? I've realized that a lot of that is diabolical. Because your normal carnal temptations, well, for example, if you're hungry, but you're in the middle of something and you know that you don't have time to stop, you can set aside the hunger. You know, you, you know, you don't automatically just go to, you know, like grabbing your best friend's arm and start gnawing on his flesh to try to try and feed yourself. You know, you might swing over to the snack bar or something or to a, to a snack machine and drop a few quarters and, you know, and drop a little bit of money in to get a quick snack. But if that's not available, it should not disrupt you too much. For a further example, everybody's heard of the phrase hangry, you know, where you're hungry and you're angry. But that's new. If you go back to 1985, nobody's ever heard of being ang- angry enough, like where you're hungry, where you're hungry enough to be angry. Nobody's ever heard of that. That wasn't a thing. For more than a century, it wasn't a thing. So what? Seriously, what could that be? If it wasn't a thing before, but it became a thing in the last 20, 30 years, what does that indicate? That indicates, and it may not be the case with everybody, because in all seriousness, if you are a choleric personality type, then maybe you do get angry when you get hungry. A choleric personality type tends to get agitated stuff like that shouldn't be so much in all honesty shouldn't be so much that it gets completely out of control but if you know you're a choleric personality type then you already know the things that you have to do to kind of get that it you know under control so you don't look like a crazy man or woman but if you're not a choleric personality type and you get hungry and you're in outrage mode what is that It sounds, to me, like the spirit of gluttony. 
It sounds diabolic. You can get hungry and you start to lose focus. Okay, that's a thing. You can get hungry and it have, have it play with your high, eyesight. That's a thing. You may not be able to physically like focus your eyes on a thing. That is a thing because you're because your your you know your blood sugar levels and like how how your biology works when you're when you're when you haven't eaten in a while. You may not be adapt like physiologically adapted enough to try and overcome st- stuff like that. That's a possibility. But if you get hungry and you start to lose control, you can't you can no longer govern your emotions, that sounds like something related to the spirit of gluttony. And that's where a binding prayer is extremely important. If you practice fasting and prayer and all that, like if you're actually doing the things that you're supposed to be doing as a Catholic when it comes to prayer and fasting, um, when it comes to penances like that, then being hangry should not be a thing, ever. And if it is a thing, I can't imagine why it would be, because in all honesty, if you've been you know, praying and fasting, and, like if, you, if you're well-practiced in fasting and prayer, chances are the spirit of gluttony doesn't hang around your house all that much. That's just what it is. I mean, if you're already if you're already well practiced in fasting, I mean that's a direct attack on the spirit of gluttony. But if you are well practiced at it and you still seem to overeat from time to time, and maybe it's because you're stressed. Maybe because you're feeling depressed or you're afraid or something along those lines. Still would be kind of related to the spirit of gluttony, but you might want to go after the spirit of depression, the spirit of anxiety, and bind them. Now, why do I say this? Well, I'd been struggling with a particular habitual mortal sin. And I'd ordered on Etsy a crucifix that was that apparently was part of a nun's estate. Now I don't know how they come across these things. I honestly I don't know. I I don't know. But I do know that if it's going to be some non-practicing Catholic, like somebody who's not a member, like a member of the faith, not a believer, some you know uncircumcised Philistine who has these treasures of the Catholic faith, I'm going to go ahead and do what I can to get them from that uncircumcised Philistine and at least get them in the hands of a, pra- of, of a practicing Catholic. And it's kind of funny the way it happened, particularly with this crucifix, because I had a, uh, a Psalter which is to say a a 100 a 150 well a 15 decade rosary and the crucifix fell off in the snow and disappeared for like 2 weeks it fell off while I was outside 
And since I couldn't find it, and I'd looked everywhere, I spent about two or three hours walking back and forth, retracing, retracing my steps through the snow, trying to track this thing down, and I couldn't find it anywhere. And so I figured whatever was going on, and I mean, and let's be real, included prayers to St. Anthony, the whole nine yards. Although admittedly, from what I understand, St. Anthony has a tendency to answer women's prayers a lot faster than men's prayers. But in this particular case, I think I know why I wasn't able to find the crucifix that had fallen off of this rosary. So I went online and I went searching for a rosary that, or uh, for a crucifix that would, that matched the style, you know, the sort of style and intent, like the way the original crucifix was. And I got my hands on, on a crucifix that belonged to a nun. And I can only say that she must have been exceptional in her nunnery. She must have been. Because the crucifix arrived in the mail. I opened the package. I looked at it. I was like, wow. I was going through a video. I was going through some YouTube videos because I was trying to find a reference um, to one of um, in one of Father Ripperger's videos about Fatima and some and some of the like the state of the spiritual battlefield and some other stuff. Um, and the first video that I clicked on, I was scanning through and I moved the cursor to a time, and I'm not even joking. As soon as I hit play from that timestamp. Father Ripperger spoke the solution. With men, particularly when it comes to sins against chastity, they find that they're, you know, they're, they've got all kinds of devotions and this, that, and the other. And I will tell you that I do have, um, I suspect that I suffer from spiritual greed or spiritual avarice, I think it was described as. Um, because... If there's a sacramental and a devotion attached to it within it with you know within about a certain left and right limit because there are particular things that i kind of keep an eye out for um in general i have a very low tolerance of resistance for just going out to actually obtain said sacramental but i'm holding this crucifix in my hand that had just gotten that had just come in the mail and i had just hit play and the words that came out of Father Ripperger's mouth addressed specifically the fight that I'd been fighting with a specific set of deliverance prayers to address that. And so I prayed them. I listened to what he had to say. I backed up. I listened to it again. I hit pause. I went over. I went over to my home shrine. I picked up, hold, holding the holding the crucifix. <clears throat> pulled out my standard rosary. Prayed a rosary. Prayed deliverance prayers and did kind of and went through a whole a whole uh, specific like a, the a specific routine for it, including including going through a. Um, um, the chaplet of our of Our Lady of Sorrows. I sometimes forget the English for these because I pray so much of these in, in Latin. But I went through the chaplet of Our Lady Our Lady of Sorrows, prayed that, prayed the deliverance prayers, this, that, and the other. And 
started carrying the the rosary with the new crucif with the new crucifix on it. And the very next time that I'd gotten swept up into that set of temptations, into that set of thoughts, when my mind was trying to get itself out of control, I targeted, again, that specific deliverance prayer and nuked it right on the spot. Not because of anything I was doing, but because as soon as, as soon as it started hitting me, my guardian angel tapped me on the shoulder, said, hey, we just looked at that yesterday. You're probably going to want to hit that real quick. And so I prayed the prayer and it was gone. It's been weeks. There were several there were several similar ish attacks in that first week. But I'm pretty sure the demons figured out that my guardian angel sitting on my shoulder that waiting to remind me, hey, that thing, hit it now. You're gonna need you need it right now. And it's been weeks. And it's been end of December. It's been more than two months. More than two months since I was overwhelmed. It's not to say it hasn't been more than two months since the temptation. But it's been more than two months since I was overwhelmed. By the grace of God and the diligence of my guardian angel and that wonderful, wonderful consecrated sister. Who I'm reasonably confident, given <clears throat> what I would consider to be a miraculous turn of events. I mean, we're talking coincidence, coincidence, coincidence. Three coincidences in a row, I, I don't buy. I don't buy multiple coincidences. I get that crucifix, I attach it to the rosary, I pray the rosary, I pray that rosary. And I get all all of the tools that I needed to help to continue to fight the good fight. And what was the what was the problem? Well, the problem was sins against the sixth and ninth commandments. The problem was sins of sins against chastity. That's how they were presenting themselves. The diabolical attack was coming from a demon of fear, anxiety, depression, and despair. That's where, that's where the attack was coming from. As soon as the walls were fortified against that, Suddenly, I could see clearly. Like I said, the temptations, the temptations are still there. I'm still a man. I'm still young enough to, act, to actually have those impulses. But what they're not 
is the overwhelming tidal wave, that ridiculous tsunami of passions and emotions. Now, maybe my story is special. Maybe. Maybe I was uniquely lost down that path. Actually, forget about that. I, I know it's not unique, but I know that when it comes to traditional Catholics, um, I, I know that the cross I bore with those particular temptations was beyond the norm. Which means I have an easier prayer life. I'm not running to the cross out of fear. I'm holding to the cross out of love. Not a charitable love. Admittedly, it's like an emotional attachment, like a... You could almost describe it as an infatuation, I guess. My cross is suddenly, the cross is suddenly my companion, not just my protector. But I think that's probably the best way to put it. The cross is suddenly my, our Lord's cross is suddenly my companion, not just my protector. 
that some of this is actually laid out well enough because obviously it's not just men who suffer from these things, um, it's women as well. And the reason why I'm trying to draw attention to the diabolical aspect of it <clears throat> is pornography is diabolical, it's demonic. And the fact that it's everywhere means that demonic stuff is everywhere. Food. Particularly a lot of the stuff that they're pushing now with the eating the bugs and this, that, and the other. A lot of that is demonic. And because it's everywhere, the demonic is everywhere. The demonic influence, at a minimum, is everywhere. But pride, anger, rage, greed, gluttony, all of those things, it's pretty much everywhere. In our society today, you can satiate every one of the seven deadly sins pretty much with a click of a mouse or a finger touch on a touch screen. You want sins against the sixth and ninth commandments? You got them at your fingertips. You want sins against against modesty, and I don't, and, and I'm not just talking, and I'm, I'm not just talking about being scandally clad in, in, in that avenue. But I mean, like, you want fancy, flashy clothes? Click of a button, click of a mouse. You can ha- you can have it. We live in a society where you can have anything that you want at any point that you want, and all of those things of this world also have a diabolical influence attached to them. Something where the devil is trying to get your attention right there rather than on God. Rather than on living a good Christian life. Rather than fighting the good fight. And it's subtle. There's a thousand and one ways to do it. It's the love of money or the love of, or the love of status when it comes to particular clothing or, or kinds of cars or whatever. All of that feeds the ego. And we know Satan is all about ego. He's all about ego. That's his thing. That's his shtick. You don't ever want to grow up. You don't really have to. You can sit, you can sit on your couch in your pajama jams playing video games until the cows come home. Video game systems are not terribly expensive. Computers are not terribly expensive. All of the devices that you need, in order, like, you know, an Xbox is kind of expensive, but not terribly. PlayStation is kind of expensive, but not terribly. Even if you can't afford Xbox or PlayStation, you can play Dungeons and Dragons. And stuff like that, you know, the Pathfinder and all those others. We live in a world where you don't actually have to grow up, where you never actually have to stand up and be an adult, where you never have to tell yourself, no, this is not good for you. You never have to tell yourself that. And it is in a thousand and one ways that all of those doors are open. All of those doors have facets have little access panels, little access put little cubbyhole, keyholes, whatever. Things that the diabolical can sneak in and get in through. And once the diabolical actually gets in, they can push you to straight to the things that you go 
to quickest for comfort. So for some guys, maybe it's building Legos. And I know that's a thing because I have a friend who's got a tremendous Lego collection that I never really thought anything about until I started contemplating this topic a few weeks ago. Because it's that part of him that doesn't really want to grow up. It's that part of him that enjoys putting stuff together and building. But wants to build things that are cool. Or whatever. And for some people, it's nice clothes. I've got a few other friends. And I say friends because we've been friends in the past, even though we haven't actually talked in a while. But I've got a few other friends who are what they call sneakerheads. It's all about collecting those, those specific special edition rare brand shoes. Seems ridiculous to me. You know, I've got a, hey, I've got 200 pairs of, of Air Jordans. Every different type of Air Jordan, this, that, and the other. I've paid some $50,000 in total for all of these things. Bro, you got a problem. I didn't even think that men would have shoe collections. Like, shoe collections habitually... Like, let's be real for just a minute. If you're a Gen Xer or older, it's the women who have the shoe co collections, right? You know, the Gucci's and the Coaches and the Manola Blahniks and all that, right? You wouldn't expect dudes to get caught up on, like, Air Jordans or special Balenciaga boots or specific kinds of Adidas. I mean, I've got a bunch of, I've got a bunch of shoes, but I've got a bunch of shoes for different stuff. I've got winter boots, work boots for the summertime, work boots for extra dangerous stuff, like when I happen to be, you know, when I happen to be welding and stuff. You know, working with molten metal and toxic chemicals and stuff like that. Dress shoes for church. Lighter, actually, I, I do have a bunch. I do have a bunch of different sets of boots, but I've, <clears throat> in general, all of this stuff has all of this. Each one of them has a purpose. I'm wearing my winter boots right now. Why? Because it's been 35 degrees below zero. I only just bought them this year. Why? Because it got 35 degrees below zero. Otherwise, I've got other boots that I normally wear for this stuff. I don't do a whole lot of running around in sneakers anymore. Why? Well, I'm not a skater. I don't run track. I don't run cross-country. You know, got some boots. We got boots for hiking. Shoes for church. Boots for work. That's pretty much it. I don't have patent le black patent leather Air Jordans. I can never understand. <laughs> I don't even understand why that's a thing. But that is a thing for some men. Others, maybe it's a collection of ties. Nice suits. Tracks, oh Lord, tracksuits. 
Have mercy on us all. Track suits. <clears throat> Some people have lots of clothes. Some people have kitchens that could make the most exquisite cuisine for a family of 12 and never actually use any of the pots and pans. Oh, I've got it for just in case. Just in case what? You're going to... Throw a Hawaiian barbecue? I mean, is that liable to be a thing? Do you often cook stir-fry? <laughs> like, I mean, if you do, great. Then probably have a good reason to have a walk. But if you're barely ever in the kitchen, why you got all that stuff? And it goes to other stuff, car collectors and the whole nine yards. I mean, there's a bunch of ways. Now, sometimes, you know, for some people, it's preserving specific parts of history. But you got to be careful with that, too, because sometimes you just turn into a nut about it. You know, you pay $5 million for Sputnik, for the original Sputnik. Um, why? I mean, if you have a museum, great. People can visit the museum, awesome. If you're just going to put that, you know, in your study, maybe rethink that. Now, I know I just mentioned Sputnik, and there's a prominent radio host who just actually, I think, bought Sputnik at auction. Um, but he also does have a museum. So, <laughs> I'm simply using that as an example if it wasn't, you know, in the same way. All of those avenues, whatever it is that your vice is. This was the other thing that actually when I was growing up, not when I was growing up, when I was becoming a young adult, it became common for everybody to have that favorite vice. You know, oh, this is my guilty pleasure. Really? I'm sure you, like, if, if you're 30 years old or older, you remember people saying, oh, no, this is just my guilty pleasure. I do this from time to time because, you know, it helps me relax or whatever. Those are things that you got to keep an eye on. Those are things that can be doorways. I'll put it this way. Um, I was reading the book of Adam and Eve... And yes, there is a book called The Book of Adam and Eve. Um, and there was a segment in there where as I was reading, I realized that the devil had done pretty much the exact same thing to me in order to keep me from going to sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And that thing, because I was reading, um, and I don't know... I don't know where it is on the scale of like scripture. I know it's obviously not canonical because it's not in in sacred scripture like it's not part of the Bible, you know, you know the collection that the collection that we know that came out of the Council of Trent. But the church also talks about other books being kind of good for instruction even if it's not, you know, necessarily divinely inspired. 
And I was reading it, and there was a section where God had told Adam and Eve to go to live in a particular cave. And what the devil had done was he manifested as a, as a wall of fire outside the entrance of the cave. And they hadn't experienced, and at, at this point, they hadn't experienced fire like that before. And so they were kind of coming up. They didn't really know. They got burned and they ran away and they built a house. Not on the not on the hill with the cave, away from where the fire was, and they just built a house. And eventually God comes out and he looks and he goes, didn't I tell you to live in the cave? And Adam was like, there was a wall of fire. We got burned. And so God sent an angel to deal with the demon that set up the wall of fire so that they could live in the cave that they were told about. And there was more hijinks that ensued. <clears throat> the point is not the story. The point is actually the wall of fire. The wall of fire kept Adam and Eve from going to fulfill God's will. They never experienced it. They saw it was hot. They didn't want to, they didn't want to get, you know, completely roasted. And they were like, ah, yeah, we're not, we're not going to do that. And so they disobeyed God again. <clears throat> now I'd made a commitment that I was going to wake up at a certain time and go sit in front of the blessed sacrament every day. And there was this one morning where it was cold in the house, and it was cold outside the house, and I went to lift the covers off and, and get up and actually start my day, and I got hit with a wall of cold, and I was like, you know, I can afford to sleep another half hour. And so I slept another half hour. And I sat and realized as I was reading that, because I was reading it in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Like I was actually, I did actually, because I'd taken it at the time. Um, at the time I was waking up early to sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament. In the morning before I, before I left to go to work. And then in the afternoon when I was done and on my way home. Spend some, spend some time in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Coming and going. And it was, spiritually it was a tremendously fruitful period of my life. Um... And I really, really wish that I had that capacity now. That, that there was, that that was actually possible to be a thing. <clears throat> because it was tremendously beneficial. The, but as I'm reading the book and I realized that when I woke up, it was cold. It was cold in the house. Which, <clears throat> here's the other thing. It's almost like at the time, I was on the second floor. The heat from the first floor came up through the floor, and normally it was really hot. But it was abnormally cold. And because it was abnormally cold, and I generally hate the cold, I rolled over and went back to bed. I said, surely I don't need it. I can wait a little while longer. It's cold. It's dark. I'm staying in bed. Why? What should have happened? What should have happened is I should have got my happy behind up, out of bed, looked at it, was like, okay, it's chilly in here, let me get dressed, this, that, and the other, go downstairs, have a cup of coffee, and get out of here, and go sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament like I had been doing. 
not a mortal sin, obviously. It's not, you know, we're talking, I mean, I think it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday, so we're not talking about a holy day of obligation. We're not, like, we're not talking, like, we're not talking like it was a special day and I, you know, there was some reason why I had to be. It was literally I wanted to be, and because it was cold and kind of miserable, I decided against it. Rather than actually reaping reaping the spiritual benefit. Which turned out, over the course of those two months, to be huge. I mean, just huge. <clears throat> you don't think about the way... The ways that they can get to you. And sometimes it's just you. But if it's just you, it should be pretty easy to be like, eh, I don't really want to do this. I should still do it anyway. Eh, I shouldn't do this. I'm not going to do it. It shouldn't be this thing that feels, spir spiritually speaking, like you've got a metal hook passed through your jaw and you're being dragged in that direction. If that's what you're feeling, you have to clear that out. Figure out exactly what it is, what its cause is, and clear it out. Because it's probably not your flesh, and it's probably not the world. You get overwhelmed with an impulse that you just can't stop, that you're watching yourself commit, even though your brain is, even though your thoughts are crying out, no. That should be a clue. It should be a clue. And it doesn't matter if it's food or if it's porn or if it's <clears throat> clothing or if it's status or if it's, you know, a, an extremely delicate ego. You start to get stressed out. Suddenly you get angry. Somebody calls you on you, on you acting the fool because you are acting the fool because, you know... You're stressed out and you're acting the fool. And then immediately you start blowing up on them and you don't take a second to consider, hey, wait a minute, maybe they're right. A lot of this stuff should be fairly easy. Should be. If you're fighting at it, fighting at it, fighting at it, and you just can't get past it, and we're not talking like two or three days or a couple weeks or whatever. I mean, we're talking like if this is a thing that you've been fighting, 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 and you just can't get past, you know it's wrong. It's probably a mortal sin. You find yourself feeling really guilty about it after every time it happens, but it still happens every time. This world has been taken over by demons between abortion and the transgender stuff and all of the all of the you know the sexual sins that are promoted as being good all of those things it should be obvious that devils are pretty much everywhere and they may not and here's the thing they might not be specifically targeting you you just might be there and you're particularly vulnerable and they can reach over and flick you and nudge you in that direction and then they do 
and you're lost because you managed to fall right off into a mortal sin that you know is a mortal sin that you've been fighting against that stuff there is a line there's a difference it is possible to identify it yourself even without it and here's the thing if if you're suspicious about it pray on it pray on it eventually the answer will pop up you'll find out what it is you'll find out where it's from eventually it'll pop up that crucifix is still on that rosary that 15 decade rosary that joker comes with me everywhere why in part out of gratitude in large part out of gratitude gratitude for the nun who used to own the crucifix which by the way that was actually kind of the like when that whole thing came to pass i looked and i go okay well that's actually probably already been blessed probably don't have to go back to see the priest and have him and have him bless another crucifix because that was like it was like a trifecta of what most people would just call a coincidence and i'm just looking at him going that, that's not even possible I have this thing in my it's like the only circumstance that's changed is I have this thing in my hand and suddenly I'm just landing on all the answers yeah no I don't know who the nun's name is but I pray that she prays for us clearly clearly at a minimum she had chastity down pat clearly she was probably quite a good nun And didn't just open that up. It was like, oh, the demons actually bother with this, this, and this too. Should have known. Should have known. I mean, I've been looking at the topic and studying and trying to find ways to make sure to fortify myself. Should have known, but that one, yeah, I don't know. That whole avenue was just left wide open. Because I'm not as smart as I think I am. <laughs> and... So if you suffer from stress and you find that that's actually when it happens or you suffer from fatigue and you find that's when it happens or depression or whatever you're going to want to go ahead and pray the deliverance prayers it's a good idea to kind of just sort of sweep across the things that are normal that that you normally have a battle with and pray deliverance prayers for them but do not forget fear anxiety depression despair because most people don't know that they're going into it. Well, I mean, let's be real. Men don't know. Men in particular. Women kind of know. Men, absolutely not. I'm not depressed. I'm not in despair. I'm not afraid. 
Like, that is like the big wide open door for men. Fear, anxiety, depression, despair. Because all four of those words, for men in particular, is weakness, 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 and weakness. And those hurt our pride. It's the big wide open door for men in particular. Those four things. Fear, anxiety, depression, despair. We don't want to talk about them. You really shouldn't have to talk about them. But if you've already kind of gone through and you're like, okay, I understand this and I understand that, and you generally have control of yourself, but there's this one thing that's totally alien to your personality that you just keep getting hit with. And that was the other thing, because that was actually the other part of it, is sanguine personalities are particularly susceptible to sins of, to all of the sins of the flesh, be it gluttony or lust or whatever, because sanguine personalities have a tendency to seek pleasure. That's kind of like, that's the vice, is you, have, you have a, tend to have a horror for suffering because sanguine personalities tend to want to be, you know, hopeful, joyous, life of the party, stuff like that. Sanguine personalities have a particular horror against suffering. But we're not typically angry. Don't particularly hold grudges. It's not kind of like that's... It's not to say it's completely out of the realm, but it's not typical for a sanguine personality. It's probably something a little bit more for... A little bit more on the choleric side. Now, do I know for sure? I'm not a psychologist. Everything that I'm talking about now, I got I got from priests. Mostly just regurgitating. None of this stuff is mine. I could be remembering it wrong, in which case then it is mine because I'm messing it up. But the things that you don't expect... Especially if you've been trying to fight and fight and fight, and for some reason you just can't get past this one thing. You can't bring yourself to put all those shoes on eBay. Alright? Probably need to look at that. You can't bring yourself to not have the best, finest, most tasty foods. Alright? Probably want to look at that. I mean, I eat crappy food as... <clears throat> Nowadays, I would call it as a penance. But I use... But, it, you know, something that I actually do for the sake of the kingdom. Um, but it used to be something that I did simply to prove that I could. Plus, there aren't... In all honesty, there aren't really that many foods I don't like. But just going with something bland and maybe, you know, bleh. I do those things now as a penance, but I used to do but I used to do them just to kind of prove that I could. Not ter not like as a not as a spiritual discipline practice, but I would do it on occasion, be like, meh, I don't really care. I need to eat. Blah. You know, now it now it's actually do I get the really, really tasty food? 
Or do I step over and just get that thing that I know is kind of, it's good enough? But for those who don't, kind of got to look at it. You like pay attention to it. We're called to be on guard. That's really the thing. That's kind of the point. Whatever it is, if it's food, if it's clothes, if it's money, if it's status, you know, if it's sex or whatever, whatever it is, if we don't have control over it, it will have control over us. Even gambling, alcohol, whatever. Like, I literally mean anything. Whatever it is, if we can't seem to get a hold of it, we have to find out why. And once we find out why, why should include how to get a hold of whatever it is that's keeping, get, you know, gain control over that thing that is causing you to, causing the stumbling block, or that is the stumbling block. You get, a, you get control of that, and then you should be able to get control of whatever it is that you habitually have to fight. And if it's ever a diversion, it's demonic. If you're addicted to pornography and you can't seem to shake the addiction despite the fact that you pray for chastity and this, that, and the other, you've got devotion to Our Lady of America and Our Lady's Immaculate Heart and all of and, and St. Joseph and all, and all of these devotions for chastity and you can't seem to get past it, then the open door is not chastity. It's not lust. It's something else. And that's kind of the point. That's actually the point. If you're fighting this thing, and no matter how hard you directly attack it, it's because you're being flanked, and whatever it is that's coming at you is getting you because you're looking over here when you need to be looking over there. And that's the point. That's the holistic point. If you're fighting a habitual sin, and no matter how many devotions, no matter what you do, when you're doing the things that Father says absolutely works, and you're still getting your butt whipped, you're looking in the wrong direction. And for men, most often, fear, anxiety, depression, despair can't kick that shopping habit yes men can have a shopping habit should be able to get that under control if you can't for some reason you just gotta buy more stuff maybe it's not greed Maybe it's not gluttony. Maybe it's pride. That's where, that is, in fact, where it's at. Chances are, if you're fighting a habitual sin, you are being outflanked. Check your left and right. 
check your six. If it's not the th if you can't get control of the thing that you are directly attacking, it's probably because it's not directly attacking you. Something else is. That's the message. That's the thing that I learned. That's the thing that I want to give to you as a Christmas present. So that you can fight. So that when our Lord comes, you can be vigilant and you can be ready. And most importantly, you can be in a state of grace. Pray for the church. Pray for the nation. Pray for the whole world. Never forget to pray. The world is inundated with sin, which means that the world is inundated with the demonic. You may not be the target. Maybe, I don't know. If you're trying to if you're actually trying to fight the good fight and there's and you're losing, it's probably because you're the target. I hope that I really do hope that this because this is kind of this is a lot more personal than I generally want to be on the, on this podcast. But I've been pondering this for several weeks now. I've been meditating on it, and I think I think more people need to know. Because this isn't the sort of thing that you just find by accident. You don't just randomly, oh, hey, there's the answer to the thing I've been praying about. <clears throat> or maybe you do. <laughs> maybe you get your hands on a crucifix that had a little bit of an extra blessing on it. A little bit of extra grace. It's not the crucifix that had the power. I mean, our Lord's cross, like, the, our Lord's cross has a lot of power. But I've got a lot of crucifixes around the house. I've got a lot of rosaries. This one just happened to carry with it a little bit of extra grace. Like it was the key to allowing my guardian angel to open his mouth and say, that's what you're looking for right there. <laughs> I don't know why that was. I really don't. <laughs> oh, in other news, the crucifix that I lost turned up two weeks later. <laughs> oh, St. Anthony, pray for us. <laughs> Almost forgot to wrap that part of the wrap that part of the story up. The crucifix that I'd misplaced turned up about two weeks later. <clears throat> I pray that you have a Merry Christmas. We got twelve days. Twelve glorious days. And a whole Christmas season beyond that. All, all the way to Candlemas. <clears throat> Have a Merry Christmas. And Happy Holidays. Because there are more Holy Days from here 
in that from from here on. More holy days than just Christmas. It's Christmas, Epiphany, Candlemas. It's probably the key reason why I don't mind saying Happy Holidays. But right now, in particular, have a Merry Christmas. And a Happy and Blessed New Year. I don't know how many more podcasts I'm going to do for the rest of the year. I hope to do a couple more, but we'll see. Time will tell. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.